On this episode, I give some computer tips to future podcasters. I analyze a recent murder in Georgia. I get a kick out of a bass fishing cheating scandal. And I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including my nephew's wedding. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for October 3rd, 2022. Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, what a day it has been. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, very nice day here, October 3rd, 2022. But we did have some things that happened within the last hour and a half before me going to live, uh, me going live here at 9 a.m., uh, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, that I will tell you about um uh, I'm going to give uh, – this is probably a, a, as good a time as any for me to give out some of my tips to podcasters, especially those ones who are thinking about getting in uh, – who not maybe aren't – if you're already into podcasting, maybe you know some of these things. But if you're thinking about getting into podcasting, um, I would surely have you follow some of these tips, some things that I'm learning this evening after e- even six years into this. Uh, still learning things, still learning, still learning. But uh, so I'm here and I'm going to tell you all about that. I have a great show lined up for all of you. Got a, a wide array, a very diverse show uh, you will be getting for the next two hours. And uh, so sit back, relax, and just allow me to do all the talking. Uh, before I get started, as you know, what do I always tell all of you to do? As you are watching this tonight, please give this uh, live show a thumbs up. And if you're watching in the replay, that's a good time to give this video a thumbs up as well. Helps us with the algorithms. Uh, I continue to be very pleased with uh, the subscriber rate here on YouTube over the course of 2022. Yes, um, not one of the most popular true crime channels out there, but um, really can't complain being that this is not our main venue. So but what helps is when you like this video, um, giving it a thumbs up, sharing it, that brings more people, it gets suggested to more people you know, in the algorithm who are checking, you know, searching for true crime information, true crime news disappearances on YouTube makes it much more likely that they will come across this channel. So get that done. And if you'd like to go one step further, please consider joining this uh, channel for the low, low price of $3 a month. I know somebody uh, just within the last few days, it wasn't necessarily a criticism, but I think this person thinks that I'm uh, maybe selling the content for um, members on this channel a little short. I think this person thinks that I should be charging more. Um, you know, I I, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, some of these extra things that we provide to people, um, 
you know, can be accessed by all uh, if they'd like to. Um, it'd be very easy for me. Uh, of course, uh, over on Patreon, you know, we do have a $12 and $20 a month level, and we do have people at that level, and they get quite a bit, and they get a lot of input on the show. A lot of their opinions and insights into disappearances make it back to the um, to the guests. And, um, you know, they're certainly, I think, getting their money's worth. They want to be helpful. They want to be involved. And, uh, and I, I think everybody, you know, love, loves that. But we also have a $5 level. We also have a $2 level on, on Patreon. So if you're just into reading the blogs, if $2 a month is all you can afford, well, you get some cool stuff for that. Reading the blogs and getting the episodes early, et cetera. So when it comes here to YouTube, I suppose I could charge uh, $10 a month for membership, but then that excludes, uh, you know, this is not some sort of uh, bourgeoisie um, type of podcast or anything. I think we're very uh, proletariat. Uh, We are for the masses, if you want to use that word. So, you know, I try to keep that in mind. When I'm thinking about these things, but I appreciate what this person's trying to say that Ed, you do quite high quality work. I, I deeply, deeply appreciate it. But I also want, if anybody's thinking about that, I want them to understand that I do think about this before I just start pulling prices and things out of the air. But I, I appreciate the compliments that you think that it, that it's worth more. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I cannot say, of course, say anything bad about that. So once again, like, share, join, please do. And if you are listening as a podcast, remember, this is now a podcast too. All of you should be subscribed. Even if you watch on Monday nights, I would appreciate it if you would find this show on your podcast app and subscribe as well. So let's see who's in here, and then I'm going to get to everything I have to talk about tonight. It's, it's going to be a great show. Uh, Charlene, hi everyone. Charlene is in Ireland. Uh, I am two thirds Irish, by the way. Maybe you didn't know that, Charlene. So, Charlene, uh, I know it's late over. Thank you for staying up. Maybe you take a little coffee over there, a little espresso, maybe a little Red Bull or something. You can make it for the whole two hours. Um, nephew Charlie, hello to you, Charles. Uh, Charles, I got to see nephew John today at his wedding. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Everything, what's going on, everything. Robert asked, Ed, how are you doing? Robert, it's been a day. I'm doing good. Um, decent weekend, I guess, although I watched a lot of bad football this weekend. But, Robert, I'm doing well, very healthy, uh, feeling good, feeling fine. It's Monday night. Uh, the real is in Australia, uh, Queenslander. Very good. Uh, Kathy's wishing everybody a happy October. Kathy, good to see you. Charles is at work. Uh, it is crazy restaurant. Well, he's crazy anyway. Mo- Mona or Moana with the little ghost emoji. Look at that. And Cherie coming in is the moderator in her little blue uh, name there. Uh, rocking it out. Valerie. Lorelai, good to see you. Thank you, Lorelai. Of course, Lorelai was a recent guest on Unfound. And Mary and Maureen and Lisa. Uh, DLV says, Ed, I really enjoyed your recent newsletter. Quite compelling and thought-provoking content. 
DOV, I, that's as, as about as nice a compliment as I can ever get. Um, yeah, I went on a little bit of a rant. Maybe I'll get into a little bit of that uh, tonight. I'm not going to go as long as I have a lot to talk about, but thank you, DLV, for that. Twinkle, uh, glad to see uh, you're doing better than you have been. Twinkle, good to see you. Coffee, good to see you too. And Coffee, I always love getting your emails. Thank you for those emails and, and comments and everything. Thank you. Kay Klein, what's going on? With the little... Uh, the micro, the magnifying glass right directly from the unfound logo. All right. So we got a nice showing in tonight and I appreciate it. And, uh, once again, work on giving this show a thumbs up as you are watching. So where do I want to start? Well, you know, I've been having a lot of, uh, unusual weeks here. I, I don't know what it is. Um, October last year was of course, very busy, um, between, uh, a speaking, my first ever speaking engagement last October. And then I went to a KISS concert last October. Um, and then, of course, I went out to Colorado. A lot of things, and they all happened to work. You know, this is kind of what's going on right now with me. Uh, you know, of course, two weeks ago, it seems like it's two weeks ago. I can't even believe it. Um, two weeks ago, we had, uh, I had a couple speaking presentations, uh, at the schools. Of course, last week was the hurricane this week though, on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday morning, I'll be picking my buddy Cameron up and then we'll be picking, uh, a guy. His name is Aaron kind of know him. I think we played doubles together once, but he's a disc golfer in the area and we're all three going to Rock Hill, South Carolina for the United States Disc Golf Championships. You can think of it as being very similar to the U.S. Open for golf, where they play like at Pebble Beach or Oakmont, uh, a variety of locations. And uh, it's a big tournament, as you can imagine, and it starts Thursday. Cameron, because of his position within the PGGA, gets some special benefits, and he asked me to go he asked Aaron to go, and so we're going. Uh, and it's good. I think it's been a great time. I'll be doing the driving, of course, because I like control like that. And um, so we're going to go up there. I think we're going to play disc golf in the morning, and then we're going to go over and watch the tournament in the afternoons. Uh, th uh, Thursday through Sunday, I think the weather's supposed to be pretty nice, and I think we're supposed to come – Home Monday, I suppose, depending. Maybe if we want to really rough it, maybe uh, Sunday night, we'll just have to see. So this is, once again, one of those weird weeks, just not everything as it usually is. And, of course, this is going to cut down on the amount of unfound work I can do. I'm going to be taking my uh, computer with me and some other things. Maybe I'll be able to get some work done at night, just some things that I, I, I really do have to do. But... So that's where I'm going to be starting Wednesday. It's about uh, about an eight-hour drive from here to there. And uh, we'll be going up, you know, get up to Jacksonville, go north of that. And Rock Hill is right on the border of South Carolina and North Carolina, very near Charlotte. And we have an Airbnb there, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Um, 
haven't really been to a, you know, watch, gone and watched a really big disc golf tournament since Worlds in 2015. So it's going to be a good time. And I'm looking forward to that. So this is just, uh, you know, kind of a warning, I guess, that I'd like to think that I am one of the most responsive, one of the easiest to reach uh, true crime hosts out there uh, between my phone, my laptops. I'm always, you know, keeping an eye on things. And, uh, you know, many of you probably sometimes when you message me, I get back to you so quickly. I think I have a responsibility to do that. So not sure I will be able to follow through as quickly. Uh, so I hope you will be all understanding with that. Uh, later this week, into the weekend. Uh, but um, like I said, it's only going to be a, for a few days. And if uh, 2022 is uh, any indication, well, these five days are going to go like that. And probably like three weeks from now, I'll be like, oh man, it seems like yesterday and it was like three weeks ago. So, and things will be kind of get back to a little bit of normal. And then of course, later this month, another week's going to be unusual, but I'll get into that. I think you already know what that's going to be. So that's kind of what's going on uh, for the rest of the week. Just wanted to give all of you a heads up on that. So let's see who else has come into the chat. While I was talking, and uh, hi, Kathy from Largo, right here in Largo, Florida. Hello, okay, Kathy. Veronica, what's going on? Karen, Sarah, good to see all of you. And Paula, Paula in the green. Hey, hey to you. Moving on, uh, had it went to a great wedding today. Uh, left here at about 8 a.m., got over to our Orlando after 10. Drive wasn't too bad and uh my nephew john who is going to be 37 in december he got married to gabrielle and uh do i know exactly her age i know she's not the same age i think that she's maybe five or six seven years younger than he is somewhere in there and they've been together for a while maybe four years, five years, something like that. Well, they got married today over on the other side of Orlando, and uh, I had the pleasure of going. Uh, We were very fortunate that even though they live in the state of Washington, they had the wedding here because um, John's father, my brother Brian, lives here in Florida, as you know. But then her family, her parents also live here in Florida. So the wedding was here, and so that made it convenient. Uh, But what happened was they were supposed to get married last Thursday, but because of Hurricane Ian, it all got changed. But uh, I just got to say that uh, I think the way they changed everything up and kept it all together um, and rearranged everything, made new arrangements, seemed to go pretty well today to me. Uh, Wedding started a little after 11, beautiful setting right along a lake that's actually uh, too high by about five feet because of the hurricane and everything, but still was beautiful. And then the food was great. The music was great. The venue was great. And uh, it was really good. I hadn't seen John for a little while uh, and really had not seen his, uh, his mother um, 
and uh, in the, you know, over 20 years ago, in fact, she didn't even recognize me when she saw me. So, um, it was a great time and I'm glad I got to go. Got home around 5.30 and uh, took a little bit of a snooze because I had to get up earlier than usual. But um, it was it was a great time. Very happy for them. Now, now there is one kind of uh, funny thing, and that is that, you know, I got up this morning and I didn't wear a suit because I don't wear suits. But I wore some nice jeans and I put on this shirt. I look good. Hair looked fantastic and drove over there and really did not think, you know, just looked presentable and I showed up. Well, little did I know that the it just so happened that the color of shirt I picked, which was purple, very much like uh, if you're looking in the chat, Paula's uh, that, that purple that she has her peas circled by. Very much same color as that purple that Paula uh, in the chat has. Um, I wore black jeans with this purple shirt. Little did I know that purple was the theme of the wedding. <laughs> so I show up. My brother Brian is wearing a, a suit, but he has this purple shirt with like a colorful tie. His wife, Laureen, is wearing a purple dress. Uh, Gabrielle, of course, uh, the bride was wearing a, a darker, darker purple dress. Um, who knew? <laughs> and then her family was also wearing some varieties of magenta or purple somewhere in there. And um, it just that was completely luck that I happened to wear a purple shirt as well. Who I just it, it just could not. It looks like I knew that that was going to be it, so I fit right in. It was like, wasn't wasn't Ed thoughtful to wear exactly like the color uh, that was the theme for the wedding? And I had no idea. So we had a good chuckle uh, about that uh, today. So it was it was just a, a great day. Now, of course, you should know that. Um, you know, I have two families, uh, the Densels or, and the Ravatis. That's my mother's maiden name, the Densels and Ravatis. And then my biological family, which is what, uh, the family I'm talking about today, the Joyce's. And I am now the only adult in either family who, uh, isn't married or who has never been married. <laughs> it was just John and me and I me and I, I don't know. And, um, now it's just me at 52 years old. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I said, I, uh, don't expect that to change too soon. Now, granted, uh, my brother, Michael, although let's just say his real marriage happened in 99, he was 48, uh, when he got married that, uh, once again, that was 1999. And then my brother Brian didn't get married till 2006. And so he would have been 54, 53, 54, something like that. So, and that was his first marriage. So I guess maybe the time has not totally ran up. Not that I'm looking for that. Certainly not. In fact, I would say that 
I have lived a lifestyle that has kept me from just the way I am. So that's just the way it is now. Uh, I am uh, a unique person uh, in either family. Not just one family, but two families now. So there you go. Uh, but it was a great time. I'm not a big wedding guy. I've gone to weddings. I you know, went to my best friend Brad's wedding. I went to my best friend Doug's wedding. I went to Michael's wedding in 99. I did not go to Brian's wedding in, in 2006. I still lived in Las Vegas. And you should know my sister got married years and years, and uh, not to give her away her age. She's been married for a long time, and she still is married. So, you know, she's not like my two brothers. But um, there, there have been, though, a lot of weddings that I've missed to that I've been invited to because I'm really not a, a wedding guy. I don't know. So, um, but it was a good time today. Uh, it was, uh, unfortunately, my sister couldn't make it uh, for reasons. Uh, she certainly was invited. And my brother Michael was planning to come down last week to go to the wedding, but because of the hurricane, he couldn't make it and he couldn't get certain days off and everything. And so he couldn't change his flight to be here uh, uh, today, unfortunately. I think he's really was uh, really sad about that. I did send them some pictures that I took. And then If you got the newsletter, you know that I had a lot to say about what I observed in the Tampa media uh, in the run-up. Of course, by the you know this time last week, a week ago when I was doing the live show, there you know there was still a chance, I guess, at least according to them, that Tampa might get hit. Maybe we now know that Tampa didn't get hit. In fact, the opposite happened. It wasn't. They didn't have a storm surge. It was actually the water got blown out of the bay. And you could see it out here uh, for my place. And you could also see it in the in the bay, this little bay over to the east of my building as well. It was certainly windy here. But if you didn't know that there was a hurricane happening 80 miles south of here, you just wouldn't know. You'd just be like, oh, this is just, you know, some stormy day, windy, stormy day or something. And But it did continue for a few days, and certainly the waves out there were, uh, you know, a lot rougher than usual for at least a few days, maybe going into Friday. Uh, we lost power here from about 6.30 on Wednesday evening to almost 6.30 on Thursday evening, so not quite 24 hours really was not that big of a deal, but that was the exact reason that last week's episode got out early. I think I still would have been able to get it out on time had I just not done that and waited for Friday. I think I still would have been able to get it done, but um, I'm glad I chose to do it the way I did get it out early and not take any risks uh, with that. But I just... Just disgusted. Uh, maybe some of you follow me on Facebook, you know, that I posted some things there that about cynicism, you know, on one hand, the, the, the media here is saying this, you know, it's going to be a huge storm and you need to do this and you need to do that. And now back to your regular programming of let's make a deal and the price is right. Nothing says cynicism to me like, like that than that. 
you know, they're, they're warning you, they're telling you to do this and you to do that, but we're still going to provide you with your game show because we know you need it. And then on top of that, and, and I realize there is a lot of uh, guesswork that goes into this, and I, and I certainly can understand that, of course, there's a lot of guesswork that goes into disappearances. But this just seems seemed overtly bad to me. Now, I've seen them do this before. I've seen them talk about, well, this tropical storm and, of course, Hurricane Irma from, you know, five years ago and everything else. But this time it seemed overtly, you know, egregious that the truth is they scared people into thinking it was going to hit Tampa, where it was obvious to me that, even though I'm no weather expert, that it was not going to hit Tampa. That it just seemed to me that, and I even put, you can even see, I posted this before it happened. If you look on my Facebook, this is not hindsight 2020. I stated, I bet that this is going to turn south and it's not going to hit us at all. Or it's something like that. And that's exactly what happened. Now, at the same time that I was writing that, the Tampa media said that it was going to be hitting Tampa Square. And there were going to be 12-foot surges and all of these things, and in the newsletter, and what um, DLV is talking about in the chat is that the the fact is the Tampa media um, you know, caused a lot of people to be in situations that they should have never been in with Hurricane Ian. The fact is, there were people, because they thought it was going to hit to Tampa, they went south. They thought by going south, they avoided it because the story was that it's going to come into Tampa. It's going to head straight across uh, Orlando, Daytona. All those places are going to be get trashed. And those places did get hit eventually. That's true. But a lot of people thought, well, it's going to hit. It's going to you know, kind of go up the coast, out to sea, or out, to, out in the Gulf, out in the water, and then turn right and hit Tampa. So if I go down into the middle of Florida or go down to Fort Myers or Venice, you know, I'll miss it. Those people drove right into the storm. And you probably know that there, there are deaths down there. And I start to wonder how many of those people who died might not have lived there. They might've gone down there because they thought they were avoiding the storm and drove right into it. And they did it because of what Tampa media people said. In addition, there was a, um, you know, there was a time like a Monday night. I think I had even talked about it last week. I was thinking, you know, do I want to get out of here after this? Because I did have a hotel reserved over in Kissimmee, which is south, you know, kind of southwest of Orlando. And I thought, well, you know, do I need to get out? And I finally decided I'm not going, I'm staying. Because of my own beliefs, my beliefs were that this storm is not going to hit here, and even if it does, probably the safest place for me to be is right in this concrete reinforced building, eight floors above the the ground. If there's a storm surge, it's certainly not going to hit me. I put my car up on the second floor of the parking lot where most likely it would not get flooded. And I just thought, what, what are the you know what if I go to Kissimmee? And go to that hotel for a few days and some tornadoes hit over there and, you know, hit me while I'm in that hotel room. 
And this is why I've, and of course, I'm glad I stayed because really, technically, nothing happened here. Really, if you really want, I mean, really, nothing happened. And but Kissimmee, it did get hit. It certainly got more of it than we got here. So I think what I'm saying here is that if you, you know, I have a, uh, new idea regarding this. Of course, I live in a beautiful area and uh, I I enjoy living here. Uh, It's beautiful. But I'm here to tell you this. If, you know, looking at what happened in Fort Myers, and of course, Irma hit five years ago and it certainly was bad, but it was not like this. Charlie was back in 2004, hitting the same area down there. Was bad too, but it was you know it wasn't as big as Ian was. I mean, Ian was a huge storm. If you are a person who lives out here near the beach, and you live at ground level, I would be getting out. I would be getting. Uh, and of course, you know some of these houses are very expensive out here, especially if they're on this side of Gulf Boulevard. In contrast to the other side of Gulf Boulevard. Um, still, I mean, the houses here are not cheap out in this area. You know that. And these condos, if you own one, not cheap. But if you own a house that is at ground level here, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, you know, Brian and I, my brother and I were talking about it, uh, today over at the wedding. And we're both like, and you know, we both love the golf. We love the water. We love the sunsets and everything else. But both of us said, if I had a house that was ground level and it was like a one story, as most are out here, I'd be selling. I would be selling after seeing what happened down in Fort Myers. And I realized it's never hit Tampa and they never had that issue. But once it happens, um, it's too late. And then you start looking at the stories about home insurance here and everything else. You may not get paid off. Your insurance company may go out of business. So I was, I just continue to be very disgusted. And as I wrote in the newsletter, why would the, you know, why would these meteorologists and thing, these people continue to say this and everything else when it was obvious to me, who is not an expert, that this storm was going to track more to the, going to turn east a lot sooner than they said. And as I want to remind all of you, storms and disasters and mass shootings and, and all these things, they are big business. They are big business. That's just the way it is. Um, They get a lot of clicks. They know that people were watching. Everybody's interested. Of course, fear drives a lot of it. And people are afraid. They're afraid for themselves. They're afraid for their homes and everything else. And they can't, they won't turn the channel off. And the ad revenue just keeps going up and up and up. And... I can't help but think I hate to be – I'm kind of a cynic anyway, but but this is overtly cynical. Are they doing this – do they say these things that, you know, it's going to hit Tampa. It's going to hit Tampa even though there's 
a lot of information saying that it's not just because they don't want people to turn off the channel and go to something else. You know, I hate to be so cynical and conspiracy-oriented and everything else, but that's just what I saw. And I'm in the media. As I write about, you know, I'm in the media. So, you know, it's important for me for, you know, of course we could talk. I could go for the next hour and a half the rest of this live show talking about true crime in the same way. People sensationalizing things, people making stuff out of nothing, people coming up with conspiracy theories and everything else just because they want attention. Because it's big business. It's big business. And I'm disgusted by all of it. And there's no doubt that a lot of people in this Tampa area got scared for no reason. And then some people acted on that, maybe going to Kissimmee or going to Orlando, getting out of the area or going down to Fort Myers, and they suffered worse than had they just stayed here. And this is why I've resolved. As long as I live in this building, from now, I may live here the rest of my life. Who knows? I'm not leaving. I'm not. Unless I'm willing to go to, like, Pennsylvania. Because anything else is a crapshoot. If I, they say, okay, now for sure this time the Tampa's going to get hit. You're not going to see me going to Miami. You're not going to see me going up into the Panhandle. You're not going to see me going to Jacksonville or anything else. I'm staying right here. And that's what I would tell for anybody else. Now, easy to talk, but these people who live at ground floor, like I said, I'd be getting out of those places. I would. I know they're beautiful and, and everything else. They have a lot of money put into them and everything, but if you can get out of them, somebody, I guess somebody else will take the risk, but I mean, somebody will buy it and say, well, you know, Tampa's never been hit. It never will be, but you know, you just never know, but I'm not leaving. No way. Not after all of this and all these stories, what's going to happen. You just might drive yourself into a worse problem. You know, for those people, now, for those people who live at ground level, if they think it's going to hit, they should be driving to Pennsylvania. Get, Don't even put yourself in the area. Go to Georgia, go to Kentucky, go to Tennessee, go somewhere like that. Don't just go right down the street. But I'm staying. I'm up here on the eighth floor. You saw how all those condo buildings uh, remain standing, although maybe their windows got blown out and everything else. Uh, and certainly they were going to be without electricity for a while, but that doesn't really matter if I'm there or not. Um, I can't keep the electricity on. So, but uh, that's kind of what I wrote at the newsletter. I, I maybe missed some points. I'm doing this, some of it off the top of my head, but that's why you should be on the newsletter list because you're going to hear things coming from a true crime host that you're not going to hear from anybody else. You're just not going to. And talking about the media as a, as a whole, and then whether it's W-H-O-L-E or H-O-L-E, um, and, co and comparing that and contrasting that with the work that is being done in true crime media. And unfortunately, there's a lot of those same things that go on. 
you know, and, and maybe you know some of this things like the smiley face killers. The smiley face killer hoax continues to exist because it's big business, not because it's true. All this stuff about, you know, cults roaming the, the woods and everything, it's really not maybe a thing now. Um, that, you know, back in the 80s into the 90s, that there was cults and, you know, once again, not because it's true, but because it sells a lot of books. The best example I always use is like the JFK assassination. I know that there are people who believe that Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone. I I don't personally believe that, but I realize that there are people out there who do believe that. But here's what I also know. There has been no information, new information that has come out about the JFK assassination since about 1964. Still, new books come out on it every year, even though there's no new information. Why? Because it's big business. Big business. And those books have nothing new to offer, even though they say they do. It's disgusting. So you just got to remember that. All, all of these things, and, and this is why I, I say that I, I think the worst thing that has ever happened to media in the United States is the 24-hour news cycle. And I don't care what political party you're in. Uh, demographic side of the house, sport or sports or anything else. What has killed media in the United States is the 24-7 news cycle. You know, it wasn't that long ago where people got all of their news in like an hour and a half. Local news for like maybe a half hour to an hour, and then the national news on CBS, ABC, NBC with Walter Cronkite or whoever. And you know what? People are just as well informed then or even better than they are now. But now there's a lot of time to fill in, so you get a lot of crap. You know, it hasn't made for better news. It's just made for more crap. It's the same thing I said about filmmaking when digital cameras came out in the early 2000s. It did not make filmmaking better. It only caused a lot more bad movies to be made. So there you go. And then I see some, uh, you wrote about Jim Cantore. Yeah, I, I'm not – Kay Klein, I'm not into that as, at all. There's no reason for any of these reporters to be here. They do that for themselves because they've become celebrities. Uh, even though I do this live show, even though I do the podcast and host it and everything else, and I know many of you maybe consider me a celebrity and you know like to meet me and everything else, I do not consider myself to be a celebrity. My problem is, is that the only reason Jim Cantore and all those people come down here is because they love the attention. They love the, the, the love they get. Oh, he's so brave. Look at him out in the, he has no business being here. These days with technology, we have remote cams. You know, we have people with their own phones. We have radar. We have GPS. We have all these things. There's no reason for any reporters to be here who don't live in this area. They're just problems. More people, more problems. It's weather porn, as I wrote in the newsletter. These people are trying to make themselves the story by being here and showing, you know, dodging limbs and everything else. It's disgusting. I hate all of it. Now, I know you like some of these people, you know, and everything. 
this is the way I look at it as a person who is in media because I have this microphone and the computer and the website and all these other things. I'm in the media and I'm telling you, I find it disgusting. You know, for me, as you know, when I think about what I do here, I'm much more about, I want to go to schools. I love going to, to universities and talking to kids. I know they're, I know they're technically adults, but they're kids to me. Um, and teaching them and talking to them about disappearances and educating them and taking their questions and all of those things. Um, I just don't think that a lot of these people in the media, whether it's weather or anything else, really think that way. So that's what was in the newsletter, if you didn't get it. And I, like I said, um, I know that uh, maybe I'm unique in this, and I know that, um, you know, I don't know if I'm maybe being a little too self-righteous or something. I don't know, but I just cannot hide my disdain for all of it. I just can't. So let's uh, see what um, – Everybody's saying here now that I'm going to step down off my soapbox and get to other stuff. Uh, Renee asked me, do you know Randy Peaks? I do. I know several Randys, Renee, but I don't think I know any with that last name. Oh, the weather has been beautiful. The thing about, Sarah, you should know, the thing about hurricanes is once the hurricane comes through, you will get some of the most beautiful, calmest, days that you ever see in Florida. And that's kind of the, you know, the irony of all this. That's what's going on down in Fort Myers. They got hit with all this. I mean, it's horrible, 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 horrible. And then it's beautiful now and they have to clean up all of it. And they're getting these beautiful days. It's just so, it's just so weird. Um, so I would know we were not, like I said, Sarah, we are not hit hit hard at all. Valerie, we know your hair looks fantastic. As you know, my boys have long hair also. I love it, Valerie. Uh, the real says, so as long as none of the female guests show up wearing a wet white dress and a veil, it's all good. I don't know what that means. Paula, I go to, would go to a wedding every weekend. I love weddings. Okay, Paula. Maureen says, your newsletter was excellent. The U.S. media is just awful. Charlie says, uh, Charlie Bravo, Cherie, my assistant, the media is a joke, personal opinion, no need to put it out on, no need to put it out on the podcast. Uh, yeah, Sarah, very logical decision. Thank the real. I'm getting more and more concerned about my friend there. Oh, down in Fort Myers, the real. I'm positive something is wrong, and she actually did evacuate ahead of Irma, but I don't think she did this time. Okay. Screaming got here late. That's fine, screaming. Uh, just me going off on a rant. Tree, very similar to Harvey. People are still displaced all these years later and very dependent on the media for guidance. Uh, what year was that, Tree? Was that 2018 that that happened? 2018? Um, when Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel showed up on Clearwater Beach, that indicated to me that they expected us to get direct hit. Yeah, and what happened? When he found out that it wasn't going to hit here, where did he go? He went to where it, he went to where, where it did hit. Why? Because he, he wants the camera to be on him. You know, the, de- the, the most dangerous place for Jim in this world is between Jim Cantori and a camera. Shari, Char- uh, I've lived within 10 to 15 miles of the Gulf Coast for 50 years. There is a resilience in that few people understand. 
I remember watching Martin Zindler as a kid. Me and you showing our age, uh, Cherie. Twinkle Water Cronkite would be shocked at how journalism is taught now. Valley says, wait, I thought your plan was Vegas. Um, uh, you mean if a hurricane hits, uh, I, I may go back to Vegas and visit Valerie, but maybe I'll move back there one day. We just don't know. Um, I'm flexible. Sarah says I lived through Irene and Sandy. Of course, Sandy was the one that went up the East Coast, hit New Jersey. Um, 2017, Shree. Okay, thank you. All right, so there you go. Uh, that's my rant. Once again, if this topic is compelling to you, maybe you want to um, check out the newsletter because there I actually had the time to you know think everything out and put it in logical, like typed out order in contrast to me doing a lot of this off the top of my head. And uh, it's just my attitude. I, I think that um, in all genres of media in this country, the reason... We have so many problems is is because of the media. Too many people um, making themselves the story. Too many people um, saying things because they know that it's going to get a lot of likes and shares and hits and, you know, hot takes and all those things. I abhor all of it. All right, moving on. Let's get to uh, the kind of true crime stuff, podcasting stuff. I'm going to give some podcasting tips here in a moment. But I'll start where we always do, Jessica Stacks. Uh, that was last uh, Friday, or should I say last Wednesday's episode. And, uh, you know, there weren't a ton of facts to cover with Jessica's uh, disappearance, but I thought it went well. I thought Rainey uh, did a fantastic job, uh, even though we didn't have a ton to work with, maybe in contrast to um, Bernard Rustness and Peggy McKay from the, the week before, maybe going back to Mildred McQuillan and Chase Lackey. We had a lot of information there, even though um, those are much older disappearances. We had just had a lot more information. Jessica's not as much, but um, I did, uh, though, as I always do, post the poll in the group to see what everybody was thinking. And the, it was a simple question. Do you believe that that is Jessica? Uh, in that video that is now posted uh, in different places or not. And uh, overwhelmingly in the discussion group on Facebook, not Jessica. Uh, in the think tank, pretty much not Jessica. And then for the blog that I write there at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, uh, I came to the conclusion that that was not Jessica either. But I think what I also said, and I think, you know, in talking to everybody in the think tank last night, that not even sure it really matters. It's, you know, it's kind of that weird thing, and it continues to be a theme here in 2022. Something, just an idea that came to my mind earlier this year, is that unless a video really shows what really happened in a disappearance, for example, somebody jumping off a bridge, uh, a woman jogging and getting abducted, something like that. Unless you actually see the disappearance happening in the video, anything's possible. As soon as that person um, you know, walks off the screen, anything is possible. No matter if it looks like that person's getting stalked or anything else. You know, we can think about a lot of these like Jesse Ross, 
like Brian Schaefer. You could probably name some others where you have video or you have pictures, Rashawn Francis, and they're not helpful at all. In fact, they instead they just create more questions than answers because they really don't, you know, technically show you anything. And so for Jessica, it's it's kind of the same. It's nice to have that video. And of course, if it you know, if it shows that Jerry and others were lying, okay. But even if it's not Jessica, like I said, you know, Jerry could just turn around and say, you know what? That wasn't Jessica. In fact, I went and picked her up after that. What are you going to say? You know, so, uh, but I, I think everybody got it right. I do not believe that Jessica is in the truck, but we have to remember that at least the story is, and there are no facts I think to dispute this, that Jerry and others said, oh no, after that, we didn't go directly to the river. We went somewhere else and then went to the river. So there's that. But uh, very new disappearance. I think it's the most recent disappearance that we've now covered, I think. First one, I think, for 2021. So that's only a year and a half ago. And you know that we have this rule about a disappearance has to be a year old before uh, we will cover it for many reasons that I've talked about before that I'm not going to get into tonight. So I I think what I'm saying here is we should not be surprised. I'm not saying that Jessica's disappearance is going to be solved tomorrow, but I think what I'm saying is I would not be surprised if unfortunately we get to like the five-year mark of Jessica's disappearance that we may have more facts that may come out somehow. That wouldn't surprise me at all. She might still be missing, but five years from now, if she is still missing, it wouldn't surprise me if there's more information out there. And if there is, of course, I'll do an update episode on it. So that is Jessica Stacks. Once again, I want to res- uh, I want to uh, thank Rainey uh, for doing the interview. She was very nervous, but I thought that she did a fine job. And uh, we had a really good discussion in the think tank. Although, in retrospect, I-, I do have to maybe say this. In the think tank, if you're wondering what the think tank is, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast come and join the conversation it's the only one of its kind anywhere in the world where we talk exclusively about a disappearance every sunday evening is that uh i was surprised that more people in the think tank than i thought kind of thought that just this if you know this wasn't the story that jerry did this all by himself that willie the other women that were mentioned, Willie, Billy, whoever else, um, Jerry's son, that they might not really know what happened to her at all. And this could have just been something between Jerry and Jessica, which I found very interesting. And that's why the think tanks, um, you know, they're so interesting to me that people, you know, you know, come to conclusions that I could not have predicted. So, um, and certainly had I known it, that the think tank was going to go like that last night, I probably would have, uh, framed all the questions and the, uh, the structure of it a little differently, but it was really good. Um, anyone have any updates from four months ago? A little boy found in a suitcase. I do not, uh, Sheree, like the old Dennis Miller, uh, rants, uh, you know, Sheree, uh, Dennis Miller, 
Pittsburgh born, just like I am. Uh, from I'm a big Dennis Miller fan. Uh, I think he's uh, I think he's a good guy. And uh, I think that, you know, he used to do a show that was somewhat political. He did a lot of different things on that. But I think the reason he got out of that is because he just got disgusted with, with everything, uh, you know, as well. And I think his attitude uh, toward meeting everything is very much like mine. The Real says it feels a bit like the neighborhoods with the most attractive lifestyles are the ones most likely to bite back in terms of national natural disasters. Well, you know, it's one of those things, uh, The Real, where, yes, people with money do live at the water. And so when a storm comes ashore, it's going to be a lot of uh, rich people who get hit. Um, at least that's the way it works out here in the United States. Lori, hello, Lori. I just watched an episode of Cold Justice. They didn't have enough DNA to know who the killer was. I always thought there was always enough DNA, no matter how small. Lori, um, I, I got to tell you, I'm not really a DNA guy. I do not know all of the science behind it, uh, to be honest. And uh, that's why, you know, I really don't really try to venture into that too much because we just don't talk about it. We just, forensics is not a huge part of unfound. I mean, obviously, if bones are found, then forensics become of the utmost importance. But, um, you know, how much have we really ever talked about blood being left behind and things? Not very much. Not very much. You know, of course, we had the murder and the Dub Wackerhagen, Chance Wackerhagen disappearances with the woman being murdered. We had, of course, just uh, with Bernard and, and Peggy, of course, their their son dead in the, in the, the burned out house. You go back to Patty Action with her car being found and blood all over the inside of it. But few and far between. So I just really don't know how to answer that, Lori. I'm really not going to try to venture into that. Karen says, six years in, do you think more guests approach Unfound now than the other way around? Uh, Karen, uh, we're always reaching out. Uh, of course, now – you know, then more at the beginning. Yes, of course. You know, there are people who maybe track myself down, track Emily down, or just, you know, kind of just in general post something in the group like has happened recently. They're just looking for anybody. That certainly does happen more than at the beginning because at the beginning, nobody knew um, what Unfound was. But I would say, you know, still, Karen, 95% of the guests who end up on Unfound are people we reached out to first. And as I've talked about with Sheree and Emily uh, specifically um, at times, you know, sometimes it's just as hard as ever to find guests. You just, you know, right now I'll, I'll tell you behind the scenes, I have a plethora of people I've talked to. I mean, this is unusual. A couple months ago, kind of just going week to week. And then you get here to September, October and, you know, I've talked to quite a few people that I, I think that, you know, when we're ready to do an interview, they'll be ready. But sometimes it's hard finding people and people blow you off and people don't return emails and they schedule talks and they don't answer their phones. Those things still happen. And six years in, I just have to expect that that's always going to happen. I could do this podcast for 30 years, probably going to happen in the year 2050. Um, 
Did not know that, but makes sense. Love, Dennis, and you too, of course. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, Jody, hello to you. Ferry uh, says, my Uncle Jack Henley from Pittsburgh grew up with Dennis Miller and is still good friends with his brother, Jimmy. I met Jimmy Miller, uh, Dennis's brother. Jimmy is actually kind of an agent or manager for people, um, you know, talent agent, I guess, or talent manager. In fact, I think one of his clients at one time was Jim Carrey. I actually met him in Vegas when I was working at the Magic Show. He showed up with somebody, but I actually met him only uh, once. Years and of course, years ago, kind of off topic. And I apologize if you put it on the video, but is your bio family from the South Hills of Pittsburgh? No, uh, my biological family is from Irwin, Pennsylvania, which is in Westmoreland County, uh, kind of to the east of Pittsburgh. And that would have been about an hour away from where I grew up in Leechburg, Pennsylvania. So moving on, um, the dates, I told you that I'll be going back to Greeley, and that's how I said in a couple of weeks things, my regular schedule would get upset again. But I think I gave you the dates of um, October 19th to the 22nd. Well, those have changed. Uh, I actually got the flight arrangements and everything today. I'm only going to be there two nights. Uh, I'm going to fly out on October 18th in the morning here in Florida. Of course, I'm going to mountain time. And then uh, I'm flying back. Um, th- that's a Tuesday. And then I'm flying back Thursday evening. Which, of course, going there, you gain kind of time. But when you're flying back, you lose a bunch of time. So uh, in contrast to last year where I uh got there on a Wednesday and then left on a Saturday. This it'll be a Tuesday to a Thursday. And I think the reason it's shorter, I think I gotta tell you, once again, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, but at least when it comes to the prosecution side of what they're going to be, you know, dealing with me, I think it's gonna be really much the same. I think the difference is going to be we don't have to go through I I'm not going to have us just um maybe listen to the interview again like it did the first time. So there's going to be – it's going to be really cut down some of the things uh, that I'm involved, you know, me being there. There are some things that I won't have to do this time that I did have to do last time. I think that's why it's shorter, whatever. Um, like I said, leaving on a Tuesday morning. I'll be getting back here like 11.30 on Thursday night. So, and I'm hoping to see my nephew, Charles, while I am there. Maybe, Charles, if you're watching, I know you're busy tonight. Uh, maybe we can talk about maybe Wednesday night getting together. Uh, yeah, they're all friends, Jim Carrey. Yes, stay. Do you play the arcade machine games behind you, or are they just for show? Uh, because they are both on and running tempting. Uh, for the most part, uh, stay. They're just to, to set a mood. Um, these are, uh, as I've talked about before, these are not original machines back into my left. Uh, if they were, they would be very expensive if they're original, like 1980s machines. Um, but they're not, there's those kind you can go to uh, Walmart and buy them in a big cardboard box and put them together yourself. That's what they are. And it's really just to create a mood. Um, 
if you were to, I, maybe some of you have a good feeling for my place anyway, it's really a, a bachelor type of place. I got video games. I got rock posters and frames on the walls. I got this lava lamp right here. I got some, you know, uh, trophies from disc golf, you know, set up. I got the chess set here. Um, you know, it's very much, uh, you know, this, just, this is what I said when I had the ability to really kind of do something for myself, this is the way I wanted it, you know, to kindly be, uh, to kind of be, but so I really don't play them and I really don't have anybody over to play them because I live, I'm a hermit. So, um, they haven't been played much. But like I said, it's it's a little bit just about the fuel. Uh, how hunting on New Year's Day morning in a boat with no motor, no oars, giving her phone away, etc. My take was that Willie, Billy, etc. All know what happened. That's that's totally fine, Kathy. I can I can live with that regarding Jessica's disappearance. Okay, moving on. Um, we still got an hour to go, so let's move on to this. I'm gonna just uh, at this point give some tips to podcasters out there and it's on my mind because of something that happened this evening if you are thinking about getting into podcasting this is you know maybe i'm thinking people who have already who are already podcasting probably know this but um for those of you who maybe think be thinking about it here's what happened i came home today from the wedding took a little snooze and then when i got up i turned my HP laptop on, which is now sitting back on the table. I'm not using it as for my notes tonight because of what I'm going to talk about. Opened it up, and I got this warning on there that there was something wrong with the fan in it, that the fan wasn't coming on. And so, you know, every computer needs a fan because it generates a lot of heat. You need to keep these things cool. If the fan doesn't work, you'll fry everything. So I didn't know what to make of it. And decided to use the computer anyway <laughs> and everything's fine but after a couple minutes it that, that warning came up again and then the computer just shut down and so um started doing a little uh, research on the internet and everything and this is kind of a thing i guess with hp laptops and the weird thing is i was just talking to my assistant emily about this she just got a new laptop and i was talking to her about you know, the problems I've had with computers over the years. And two days later, something goes wrong with this one. And it's not even a year old. Luckily, I think it's a very easy fix. And I was able to follow a, a uh, like a video. I took it apart. I took the, the bottom part off the laptop. And the fan on it is very easy to switch out. And everything I read tells me, the fan has gone bad for some reason. It's an easy fix. The fan is only like 20 some dollars. I ordered one. You can easily replace it and it should be fine. So it's supposed to get here on Saturday. So when I get back from South Carolina, I'll be able to, you know, uh, you know, see if that fixes it. Hopefully it does. Cause I don't feel like spending and I know it's still under warranty, but I do. I really even want to bother. I don't know, but, um, We'll just have to see. Luckily, the, the year warranty date doesn't run out until like the end of this month. So I got time to make some decisions. But I start thinking about, well, if that was my only computer, if I'm a podcaster and that's my only computer, you know, I'd be kind of screwed. 
And so maybe you all need to understand all of the devices it takes to make this podcast happen. And so for you, anybody out there is thinking about getting in podcasting, I would recommend that you have more than one computer because you never know when one of them is going to go bad. If that one goes bad and you know, you're supposed to be putting out an episode or something, sure. You can go buy another one, but in the moment, It's going to kind of suck. It's going to, you know, you might be painting yourself into a corner. But I just got thinking about all of the devices that it takes to put Unfound together. Now, of course, it takes this laptop that I'm using, that I use every time uh, for online stuff, uh, live stuff, is my MacBook. I've had it for a few years. Um, Love it. Uh, I do all the video and audio editing on it. It has a, a, a program called uh, GarageBand, which is great for audio. It has a program called iMovie that both come with the, the Mac. Of course, you know Macs are not cheap. But this has been good. The only problems I have with this Mac, a couple things. One, the battery on it is for crap. Uh, it, you know, you use it without it being plugged in. It might last an hour and a half. And it may just be because of the age or something. The other thing about it is it doesn't have a lot of memory or a lot of storage, unlike the HP, meaning um, I have to have an external drive. So when I do the podcast on GarageBand or I do the videos, I have to almost automatically take those files and put them onto um, you know, a, a backup drive so I can continue to be able to use this computer without the memory all being uh, full. So those are my two complaints. You know, the, but the, the upside is this computer has not let me down. I've had this computer for some years. I've gone, you know, this HP that I have now is the third computer I've had since I've had this one. So that's how reliable this one is, and that's how unreliable PCs are. Now, of course, this costs about three times as much as a regular PC laptop, so there's that. But I'm lucky that I have this now and that I have the external drive and I can still continue to do work and write and everything else. And luckily, I was able to get onto that other computer and send a lot of my files that are on that computer, mainly doc files like notes and outlines and things over to this so I can you know, have all of this stuff. And the good news is the hard drive on that is still good. So even if I can't fix it, the hard drive's still good and I know that I'll be able to somehow get all of that stuff off and put it onto maybe a new computer or something. But so I need the HP. I need this MacBook. I also need this. And this is a tablet. And what I use the tablet for, and I luckily got this for free for being a T-Mobile customer. And I cannot thank the guy who put me on to this enough. I cannot thank him enough because I didn't even know they were running some deal at the time. This must have been two years ago or something that by me getting a new phone, I got a free tablet. And I put uh, additional chip in it. So it has a lot of memory in it. But I use this to record, you know, I, um, when I talk to people for the first time and when I was doing interviews, just audio, this is what I use to record all of them. Right on this. So I need this. 
to do to do the podcast because I record like I said, even though I'm using Zoom and everything now, um, when I talk to people on the phone for the first time, I use the recording. This is what records all the phone calls. And so then I play them back and take my notes. So I need this. And then of course, I need my phone too. So if you're thinking about getting into podcasting, you better uh, be ready technologically and you better know how to use this, you know, this equipment. It's just not, well, I got a, I got a laptop that's four years old. I can do it. Could try it that way. But if you're looking to stick around for a while, you're probably, you're, you're probably your setup's going to have to be a little more uh, complex than that. Now I will admit my, my microphone and the audio setup, like what I use for this and when I do recordings uh, for the episodes, it's very old school. I think most people today, they just have a microphone with a USB connection. I do not. I have a microphone that has an old school three-prong line that then goes to what they call a pre-mobile device that then runs into this Mac. That's very old school. I've had this microphone maybe for 17 years, something like that. And uh, although this uh, microphone cord is somewhat new. So, and I know the mobile pre is 17 year olds old too. So just got to thinking about that this evening. Um, Due to this computer, you know, not acting the way it should kind of out of nowhere. And I feel very fortunate that I have this laptop. I can take it with me. I can take it up to Rock Hill. I can still get my, you know, some work done. I hope to get done. A lot of the notes that I've taken recently, I got transferred over to this computer. I have a little, a long list of things to do that I keep a running tab on that I got transferred to this computer. So everything's going to be fine, luckily. But if I didn't have this computer, I don't know where I would be. So for you podcasters out to remember these things. I know it's expensive. I got it. I got. I got it. I. I, I know, but um, I think it's well worth it. And for me, even though I'm not a big, I don't. I've never owned an iPhone. But when it comes to recording and audio and video editing, I think you got to have a Mac. Just me. Yeah, just I, I've just uh, and I'm bilingual. I guess I can use PCs. I can use Macs. Either way. So. Just some things uh, to think about if you're ever thinking about getting into podcasting. So moving on, uh, let's answer uh, Penny's question that she sent me um, before the uh, show got started tonight. And then I'm going to get into some true crime news, going to read some stories. That's how I always kind of uh, do the last part of um, that's kind of what I've been doing more of. Uh, recently, and it's kind of what this live show is turning into. Uh, Penny asked me, are there any instances where a perp could, you know, taking advantage of a natural da- disaster like Hurricane Ian to disappear someone? So maybe a husband has been thinking about, let's just say, killing his wife, and for example, and then he finds out that this hurricane is headed their way. And he decides to do it right when this hurricane hits. And so it makes it look like his wife disappeared due to the hurricane hitting. Maybe she got, you know, swept away with a storm surge or something like that. Uh, Penny, if you're watching, you know, or you're going to watch later. 
I got to guess that that's happened at least once regarding storms and things. But I have to tell you what first came to my mind was the disappearance of Snea and Philip from New York City on September 11th. Now, maybe some of you know about this, and I didn't really write uh, any of the notes down, but she was a young woman who um, was a doctor, although it seems she was having problems in her profession, but she was married to another doctor, and on September 10th, she went out shopping uh, on her day off, and she was seen on video, but she never came home uh, that night, even though she was married, and her husband claimed that she had been doing more and more of this, and there was uh, an investigation, of course, that eventually was uh, done after, of course, sub- September 11th in New York City. That, of course, took present over everything. But eventually they got around to trying to figure out because she disappeared. There she was on video on September 10th. Allegedly, she never came home that night. Um, but, you know, did she did she somehow get caught up in 9-11? Because she had medical experience, was it possible on that morning? She saw that the World Trade Center, the first one, got hit. She went down to ground zero to try to help out, and then she was the one of the ones that got caught up when both towers fell. And as of here in 2022, that is the conclusion that um, they've come to. Now, I will tell you, not without a fight, because there were two different investigations done, one by uh, a private investigator and they, that guy, and I think this along with uh, um, Snia or Anne, whatever name she went by, and, uh, you know, they came to the conclusion that, yes, that's exactly what happened, that on that morning, she yes, she might have been out all night, which sounds weird to me for a married person, but then there was maybe a video that showed her, like, showing up at her building, but then the plane hit, and then this woman, you really couldn't see her face, she leaves. And so they concluded that, yes, she did go down to ground zero. zero. She was not far away, and she got caught up in in the terrorist attack. However, NYPD eventually did their own investigation, and they determined that it was probably foul play. And there was a belief that she was having problems in her life before she went missing, before September 11th, uh, that she and her husband, who he claims, of course, she never came home that night. And I guess that he didn't do much to track her down. But he said that she had been doing more and more of that recently. She had gotten in trouble at one hospital for um, maybe being drunk on the job. She got fired there. She got signed up. She got on with another hospital. She was having problems there. Um, It it seems to me also that uh, maybe she was questioning her sexuality and, and being married and everything. And we all know, take September 11th out of it, this seems like the perfect kind of circumstances to make a husband make make his wife disappear. Can't deny that. 
It's just, just a fact. We've gone over this over and over and over. No proof of that, I guess. But we had two different investigations done by two different groups, and they both came to two different conclusions. Now, you should know, eventually we got through the courts and everything, and it was eventually determined that, yes, uh, she would be recognized as a person who died on September 11th, and she, would, her, she and her family would get all of the tributes just like everybody else who died on that day. Me, I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm really, I hear, you know, I read a few things just to kind of brush up on this in uh, preparation to talk about it. And I got to tell you, her husband sounds no different than Rosemary Rapp's husband and uh, Julie Early's uh, husband and Charlotte Paulus's husband and Angela Green's husband and all these guys who said, yeah, my wife, I don't know where she went. She never came home. Oh, we got up and she was gone. This is what it kind of sounds like in this too. You know, and of course there are no witnesses because anybody who would have been around her at Ground Zero, they're, they're all dead. And we also know that there are people who died on September 11th who will never be identified. The difference though is all of those people were, were noted to be there had a reason to be there. And we really don't have any other stories, though, of any other doctors who were just hanging out at home on their day off and rushed down to ground zero and got killed. Although we know that, you know, we, we know that happened, but they're, you know, they're all, you know, why do we know about them? But why are they so unsure of this young woman? So, so, Penny, that's probably the best example that I can give you of that. It's not a natural disaster. This is a terrorist attack. But, you know, but then I think what we're thinking about here is maybe this was just uh, a coincidence. Could it be that her husband did do something to her well before September 11th, you know, happened hours before anybody knew it was going to happen, of course, except for the terrorists. And that's just the way it worked out. Very well could be. Uh, very well could be. And I, you know, maybe one of these days we will cover her disappearance on Unfound. And uh, really haven't thought about it, but um, maybe we can make that happen. So that's what first comes to mind regarding anything like that. Shree uh, says, Crystal McDowell went missing during Hurricane Harvey. Kind of remember that too, Shree. Um any uh, thoughts on that being that you were there for Hurricane Harvey too, Shree? Any insight into that? Uh, Stay says, I remember reading an in-depth article of a man who wore a red bandana around his face in 9-11 who kept running back in to save people. He's MIA still, I believe. Uh, can't remember his name. That's uh, not a story that is familiar to me, Stay. Uh, Marlene, hello, everyone. Hello, Marlene. What's going on? Good to see you. So, Penny, I hope that answers your question. All right, let's move on to – do I got anything uh, other – any unfound um, – I should say, of course, the newsletter came out a few days ago. The Unfound Now is out for subscribers on this channel, and um, it will be available to the rest of you unless you subscribe first, join this channel uh, I'm guessing that I will re-release that to the public probably sometime next week. And um, 
So you can look forward to that. That will be uh, – technically it was put out in uh, September, although for all of you, you will not be getting it until a few days into October. And the new Unfound on the Ground. Of course, Unfound on the Ground is a a monthly series that my assistant, Eric, I think somebody posted uh, on YouTube, I don't know, yesterday or today. Who is that guy? <laughs> Which is funny. Um but that's my assistant, Eric. He runs that every month. And that is something that is available to premium Patreon members. And then once that has been done for a month, we then make it public for so that everybody can watch it. And this year we're covering well-known disappearances, Jimmy Hoffa, Amelia Earhart, uh, et cetera. So that is now available. I just made that public a few days ago. You can check that out. Uh, next, some of you might have seen that um, Adventures with Purpose. First of all, uh, Sheree just told me before we started tonight that Adventures with Purpose was on the Dr. Phil show. Not a big fan of that show. Um, I've told some of my guests who, uh, in, you know, over the last six years, who've said, well, you know, I'm thinking about going on Dr. Phil or Dr. Phil contacted us. Or we're, I said, I would not. I would never appear on that show ever. Adventures with Purpose did. But um, Adventures with Purpose went up to try to figure out uh, what happened to Audrey Heron. Uh, they were there, I think, last week. I do not know how many days they spent out there, but um, they found nothing, which I'm glad they went out there and did it. Great. I'm not surprised, though. I, I don't think that Audrey's you know, at least the, the most common route, the most likely route she would have taken home that night really lends itself to believing that she went into any body of water, despite there being that creek running by that one road, which, you know, I kind of took a look at that at the time, and it's just not big enough. It's just just not deep enough or would never be anything. I mean, if a car went into it, it would just be sticking out right away. People would have known right away. So I continue to, to be convinced that, there was no foul play there, but she, for some reason, took some different route. And she might not even be going home. I'm open to the idea that she was actually going to her mother's, which was a totally different route. And that's where she ended up for whatever reason. Um, fell asleep at the wheel, had a medical event, swerved to miss a deer. Something like that. I, I continue to believe that. Is Adventures with Purpose going to check any different routes? It doesn't sound like it, but, you know, once you start doing that, I mean, it's just, you know, pin in a haystack, and you better hope you have a magnet. So, um, the, let's see here. Cherie says, I think it was just coincidence, okay? Uh, she was going to disappear that day regardless of the weather. Okay, gotcha, Cherie, gotcha. Uh, the Real says, Wells Crowther is the band, red bandana guy. Okay, see, I, I just don't remember that. Richard says, I listened to a podcast of her, I, I guess, uh, disappearance during 9-11. It's beyond me why someone would murder their wife. Life in prison doesn't seem to appeal to me. Uh, people murder their wives because so many people, uh, men get away with it, Richard. Um, let's say, you know, we've covered so many like that. And of course, um, Snea's 
family dismisses all the things that the NYPD said about her. And, but I'm not inclined to believe that the NYPD was making this stuff up either. And so, but when you tell me that any married person, I don't care who it is or what gender, uh, you know, somebody's staying out all night and the, the, the spouse doesn't know where the other spouse is. It sounds like something's going on there. I mean, I know that there are people out there who have open marriages and open relationships and are swingers and everything else, but still, even those people let each other know where they are if they're going out with somebody else. My understanding, of course, being that I, I'm not married or anything, my understanding. So, Sheree uh, says, Dr. Phil is cringe. And uh, Fairy, haven't heard of Audrey. Audrey Heron, uh, Fairy. Audrey Heron, that's a disappearance. Uh, when did we cover that? Uh, man, seems like maybe almost a year ago now, Fairy. Maybe one, not Audrey Harris, Audrey Heron. H E R R O N. She went missing in New York about 20 years ago. So let's move on to this. couple national news stories. I got to read this one. So I'm going to have to make this full screen so I'm not going to be able to see some of your comments until I'm done. Just once again, because I'm using one computer. So I'm going to move this over here. I'm going to widen this out. Did you hear about the cheating in this bass fishing contest? I got to read this. How, how can I not? And this just shows you that... I mean, cheating in a bass fishing contest is a, a long way from murder. But I think it also shows that when people want to do things, if they are motivated, even though they know they're wrong, they're still going to do it. Now, these people, I, you know, I got to believe these guys are going to get in trouble some way. Maybe not in criminal court, in civil court. But still, um, I wouldn't want to go to civil court. <laughs> so let me read this. Um, of course, we have this cheating scandal that's also going on in the chess world, too. And I, I, I'm a big fan of chess. I love watching videos on it. But I'm going to uh, read this. Success breeds attention. Ain't that true? As is the case in world the world-level chess competition, high-profile fishing tournament success can open, open countless doors for anglers. In the case of Jake Runyon and Chase Kaminsky both of whom live near Lake Erie, I know that area, their success on a series of walleye tournament trails in 2021 landed the pair over $300,000. Big money in bass fishing. After the duo capped off an impressive series of victories at Walleye Slam, Fall Brawl, and the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Championship last year, expectations were high leading into 20, the 2022 season. Understandably, many eyes were on the duo leading into this year's Lake Erie Walleye Trail Tournament event, which began on uh, Friday, September 30th. According to Spectrum One News, the duo has been accused of cheating in the past. Much like Neiman in the chess world, then, success has bred both attention and scrutiny for Runyon and Kaminsky. There's coincidence, and then there's evidence. While the jury remains split on the Carlson-Neiman turmoil, it appears evidence may work against Runyon and Kaminsky. It says that uh, in, the, in a YouTube video by Mo Fishing Adventures filming the Lake Eye 
walleye trail weigh-ins, Runyon and Kaminsky are announced as being definitely team of the year champions after recording a weight of 33.9 pounds. For comparison, the closest bag was 28.1 pounds, so almost six pounds heavier, followed by 25 pounds. Off-camera voices in the crown began audibly questioning the weights on the duo's fish. At the 4.55 mark of the YouTube video, after reaching into the stomach of one of the winning team's walleyes, someone exclaims, we got weights in fish. In the roughly 70 seconds that follow, multiple tournament anglers appear on the screen expressing their displeasure about what appears many believe is a deliberate act of cheating. Of course it is. Tournament, tournament, tournament fishing, walleye or otherwise, can be incredibly expensive, time-consuming, and stressful. So the reaction is understandable, and it appears warranted. Angler Gene Merck has shared a video on Facebook that as of Saturday, September uh, first has been viewed over 2.4 or October 1st has been viewed over 2.4 million times in the corresponding post. Merck suggests that there were eight pounds of weights stuffed into the walleye in the immediate aftermath of one of the biggest fishing stories of the year. That's funny. Lake Erie walleye trail tournament director, Jason Fisher took to Facebook and expressed his feelings about the event stating that he was disgusted and later still at a loss of words for words. He also announced that anglers Steve Tisco and Chris French, uh, who were came in second, were awarded the trail championship victory. The team of Steve Hendricks and Brian Ulmer also secured the trails 2022 team of the year award. Just as the chess world will have additional eyes, additional eyes on accountability. However, the fishing community may be paying close uh, additional attention to the scales in the months and years to come. What a story. Um, you know, you just, you know, maybe, you know, I'm a fisherman, although I don't competitively fish, but I've gone fishing, you know, once or 40 times in my, my life. And, you know, I think when you're out there, you don't realize that um, there is such uh, big money in it. Of course, we know there are bass fishing shows and, you know, I know Babe Winkleman going years and years back. But there is huge money in this. And the, these people who win get boats and trailers and trucks and money and everything else. And I, you know, I'm not surprised that people cheat. Uh, like I said, I am a cynic. So uh, it's just so blatant. That, you know, as you can see, these guys weren't just happy to win by a couple pounds. I think, once again, it's like any cheater. The problem is the cheater doesn't know when the cheater has gone too far. Uh, they just can't control themselves. This is no different than, you know, with um, like gambling. You know, when people figure out a way to play blackjack and, and cheat or something, they never quite do it in a way that, they stay controlled. They eventually, they just cannot help themselves and go for the big money. And that is then, you know, that just completely defying the odds. And that is when they get caught. We just, it's our human nature. But, you know, the funny thing that I think about this, so this is a fantastic story and it just goes with human nature. And uh, this is why, you know, when people say, well, you know, I can't believe that that husband would, you know, really do something to his wife or anything. If people will cheat in a bash fit bass fishing tournament, 
then people are capable of anything if they are motivated enough. Now, this is all funny kind of to me personally, because as you know, I play on a pub trivia team uh, when I can, and it's every Thursday uh, evening. It's my, my brother's on the team, his wife, and uh, some teachers from Largo High School. And over the years, we've won a lot. We've won a lot. And I mean, probably abnormally so. And so a lot of the people who show up like we have been doing for the last 10 years think we're cheating. And I can tell you for the record, we have never cheated once. We have never used our phones or anything else to, to for a correct answer. Never. And this is going on like 10 years. But like I said, we went a lot. We have a lot of smart people. And luckily, we have people who specialize in particular topics. But I can tell you that I know other teams have cheated. And you can just kind of tell. And so I and I and I really like the two people who run the trivia. I've gotten to know them very well. I wouldn't show up there uh, if I didn't think that they were doing. You know, none of us would be showing up there if we thought that you know they were doing a bad job. And like I said, we've been showing up at Fat Cats even at their old location, um, you know, for ten years now or something. But I tell them, I, you know, I will tell them, you know, once in a while, you know, I think that team's cheating, you know, because I have a reputation for this. It's that because I am a cynic and I know that people do cheat and I do know that we are a marked team when we are there. And so I get suspicious when we have a team of like six or seven people who I know to be sh- pretty smart and then just two people stroll in that we, nobody's ever seen before, and they just win out of nowhere. And there has been one guy who shows up there by himself most of the time that for, a, you know, for just a person by himself, he sure does do well quite a bit. You know, and, I, and as I've said to my brother Brian is that, you know, if this guy really knows all that this stuff, he should be on Jeopardy, not going to Fat Cat's trivia and so i always have my suspicions and reading this story only uh you know makes me think that you know i'm probably right in being suspicious of other trivia teams uh and you know there there are just times that you know we've had this happen where you know we're leading going into the final question it's very much like jeopardy or something and where you can bet so many points at the end to win, and we'll have no idea. It's some obscure question about, like, you know, what country in Africa has the you know most square miles or something. That I'm, you know, we have a geography person on our team. He teaches geography, and and um. You know, he doesn't, he's not even sure what the answer is. And then there will be like one team or a couple teams that get the answer. Meanwhile, you know, we'll have like 28 out of 30 points going into the final question. They'll only have 20 out of 30. They get the final question and we don't. They know some obscure question about square mileage of a country. Cheating. (laughs) So... But it, this, uh, like I said, I, I think this, even if you aren't into fishing and don't follow these things, this was a pr- fairly prominent story. Uh, the YouTube video of it is hilarious. A lot of ticked off people 
But this is not new. Uh, I think the cheating in, in these fishing tournaments is common. I think it's pretty common. Maybe not to this extent with people getting away with it for this long, but it's certainly uh, something. Um, Richard says, uh, thank you. Uh, what? Ferry says, I think that they said she started spending the night with a female friend. Yeah, going back to Snea Phillips' uh, disappearance. Yes, I think you're right, Ferry. Charles, yep, saw an interview with second place going to the, the bass fishing. Yes. Um, Kathy, of course, went back and checked. Uh, you covered it. I was I was right about a year ago. I was pretty close, Kathy. Uh, Richard says, cheating. I couldn't look at myself in a mirror, period. Um, Richard, most people aren't like that. <laughs> I just... You know, when we're playing over at, at Fat Cats, we're playing for um, technically, you know, generally money, technically coupons to use there. And so we're playing for money. You know, it's just not for fun. And um, <clears throat> that gets me motivated to win. But win morally. Sheree uh, says, winners never cheat and cheaters never win. Neither of those statements are true, Sheree, but it's, you know, I guess nice to maybe think about unicorns and rainbows. Uh, but uh, I think there's just too many people out there who have no conscience. Uh, I just, it's just my attitude. I just maybe once again showing my attitude of uh, cynicism and toward uh, humanity. Just the way I am. Always looking for an honest person, though. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, I want to talk about this murder, seemingly murder, I think pretty sure murder, of this woman in Georgia. Her name is Debbie Collier. I'm going to read this to you. Maybe not all of it, but most of it. The death of 59-year-old Georgia woman Debbie Collier, whose body was found naked and partially burned. There's that burned topic uh, that comes up once in a while on Unfound, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. Was pers- uh, The death of her was personal and targeted, police say. The investigation into Collier's mysterious death is ongoing, but at this time, investigators do not believe it was a suicide or a random act of violence. In an attempt to address the su- suggestion of this being a suicide or the work of a serial killer, we want to reiterate that there's nothing that has come from this investigation thus far that would support the theory that this was self-inflicted or that it was a random act of violence. At this time, the investigation is leading us to the proposition that Mrs. Collier's death was personal and targeted. Remember, uh, stranger-on-stranger crime is rare, and usually murders and disappearances have everything to do with relationships. Police also previously said that there was no evidence suggesting a Collier had been kidnapped, despite a chilling, chilling text message to her daughter indicating that she was possibly being held against her will. In a press conference Friday, so this past Friday, the sheriff's office revealed it received new security video from a business next to the, next to the family dollar in Clayton, Georgia, where Collier was last seen on September 10th. The footage shows Collier walk out of the dollar store at 3.09 p.m., sit in her vehicle for 10 minutes, then drive out of the parking lot headed south on Georgia State Road 15. This information allows investigators to narrow the time of death to a window between 3.19 on Saturday uh, and uh, 12.44 p.m. on Sunday. Collier's autopsy report and analysis 
analysis reports of items submitted by the sheriff's office to a crime lab are still pending. Police are just starting to receive information from an initial series of search warrants and subpoenas that were filed in connection to Collier's case. Please understand that this case is very complex in nature and has a lot of questions and unknowns that aren't found in a typical death investigation. It is going to take significantly more time than 19 days that have passed since the discovery to solve this crime. Collier's partially burned naked body was found September 11th in the woods off the side of a road in North Georgia, roughly an hour from her home in Athens. Collier's daughter alerted authorities authorities to a chilling text message that said, they won't let me go. There is a key to the house underneath a flower, flower pot that her mother sent by the payment app Venmo before she disappeared. Collier also sent her daughter $2,385 with that message. Collier was captured in security video on September 10th at 255 at a family dollar in Clayton in the North Georgia mountains, buying a tarp, a porch, a torch lighter, a rain poncho and a reusable tote bag. And it should be known on the day of her disappearance, she and her husband uh, had been parking cars for the University of Georgia's football game. And uh, to my knowledge that her husband has an alibi for all of this. So he is not a suspect in this. Uh, there are things, of course, if this were a disappearance, um, you know, the questions I would be asking is that, you know, what exactly was she doing at this family dollar store? What, because she was found with those items. And I, you know, I, and, you know, what, why was she buying, what was she planning on doing the rest of the day that she was going to need a tarp, a torch lighter, a rain, which I think is one of those things, maybe, you know, is that one of those things you use to light a grill? You know, that little flicker thing and the flame comes out at the end. Is that what that is? A rain poncho and a reusable tote bag. So, I'm not, you know, I, for me, once again, if this were a disappearance and if I were talking to somebody in her family, I would really want to know why was she buying those things? What was she planning on doing for the rest of the day? Where was she going? Who was she supposed to meet? And how far in advance did she buy the, did she plan to buy those items? I think this is all important information. We also have to think about, um, is it a coincidence that she was burned? Obviously, not to the point she couldn't be recognized. I think they knew who she was fairly quickly. Somebody, though, attempted to burn her. And, um, you know, is it a coincidence that she bought a torch lighter and that she was burned? I wonder. Now, regarding the other part of this, though, once again, looking at this, if this were a disappearance... This message, they won't let me go. There is the key to the house underneath a flower pot uh, that, of course, the daughter said that her mother sent her along with this money. Of course, I think for all of us, we start thinking about this and maybe this doesn't make any sense. I mean, she was really getting kidnapped. Is anybody going to really let her use a phone? You know, once again, it's 
her words, allegedly, they won't let me go. Well, that then means that she was in the custody of somebody. What that then flies in the face of her ever using her phone. And you would think if somebody was abducting her, that that person might want that money be spent to, you know, sent to the the kidnapper or the attacker, and not to her daughter. So, on that strength of that alone, and I have to tell you that uh, moderator Cherie, assistant Cherie, uh, you know, she and I uh, have talked about this. Um, uh, you know, maybe was that maybe the end of last week, Cherie, and I told you that I, you know, I'd certainly like to talk about this. Um, and I was going to talk about this for this live show is that then Cherie tells me, I did not look this up myself, but this is what Cherie said, is that, um, you know, the daughter and the daughter's husband or boyfriend, very shady. They're into drugs, and maybe that then pulls this all together. And, um, of course, like I think it was Richard who wrote earlier about, you know, you know, a husband making his wife disappear and, you know, don't want to go to jail and all that. Like, certainly true, but of course, men do it anyway. Even men who uh, have no criminal records either before or after the disappearance of their, of their wives. Um, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of daughter might be involved um, in her mother's disappearance? Because there's just something we we just know. There's something that does, does not seem right about this, and we don't even know, need to know that this woman is dead. And it's very sad. I feel horrible. I don't care who did this. It's horrible. But um, there's just something about just these facts. Not even knowing that she's dead, that just doesn't sound right. And that there's a lot of reasons to believe that it was not Deborah who sent that message from her own phone and. Of course, that wouldn't surprise us at all because we know that people having phones of, I mean, we just, this was past Friday with Jessica Stacks. She's missing. Some guy ends up with her phone. Of course, he had a story. I'm not sure how many people believe that, but he had her phone. She's missing. He has her phone and it's not her boyfriend. He doesn't live with her. He had no reason to have her phone except for the story that he told. We talk about Eric Franks, and we can think about other disappearances where we were pretty. It's pretty clear that somebody, um, other than the owner of the phone, had the phone. And so I think that I think that this is fairly obvious in this. And of course, the advantage they have is that this isn't a disappearance. This is certainly a murder, and there's going to be a lot. Um, it's probably going to be a, a more uh, thorough investigation that we're going to get for this than you would get if Deborah had only gone missing under the exact same scenario. Let's just call it what it is. If Deborah goes missing with the same exact fact, she's the fact she's not found, but she and her car are missing. They're going to work on this for like a week. We're not going to be able to do anything and let's leave it at that. Whereas because she was found, we know that this is going to, um, go on a lot longer. There's going to be more information. 
And they are going to be able to file warrants because if she went missing, she might've gone missing all by herself. I'm not saying that she would do that, but then that would be a choice. This is certainly not a choice here because she's dead. And I don't think anybody is is believing that she set herself on fire uh, or anything else. Um, And then on top of that, you know, it's also weird to me in that, um, in that message that she sent her daughter, allegedly, that she would have to say where the key to the house is. Uh, would her daughter not know that? If they were like had a good relationship, would her daughter not know that? For example, um, you know, I live 1,300 miles away from my dad. Now, he doesn't have a key on the outside of his place, but he does have a keypad to open the garage door. I know what that keypad number is. He would never have to uh, send that to me. In fact, I just know that off the top of my head. So when a daughter doesn't seemingly know where the, the mother's key is, you know, this also might sounds to me like um, – You know, maybe they didn't have a very good relationship. So going back, what is everybody? I, 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 my, I'm not surprised that there are a lot of comments on this because this seems to me to be a fairly well-known story that's going on right now, especially since there was video and, and everything. Um, Brian says a register stomach was burned. Right? It, it, yeah, autopsy is still going. Right. She was not burned beyond recognition. Somebody tried it once again, just the way I read it. When only a partial part of a body is burned, I start thinking that somebody tried to burn the entire body and just didn't succeed. That's just the way I uh, interpret it. Maybe she was tailgating that, you know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe she was uh, parking cars. She went there. And then maybe she was going to go home and then maybe go back to tailgate for the second half. That's a treat. That's a good idea. Very strange about that Debbie lady read the articles. Marlene says cell phone was found on her body. Yeah. But once again, just because the phone was found on her body doesn't mean that she sent that message. Uh, Fairy says the, the daughter had access to a lot of the accounts uh, wasn't the daughter already lo- living with her that she had a key? Uh, very well could be, Brian. It's just, yeah, it, then it even, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to interpret it this way, is that the key was usually somewhere else, but this time it's going to be under the flower pot. Maybe in other times it's under the, the, the mat or it's, um, in an electrical outlet box on the outside of the house. But for some reason, it's in the flower pot. Maybe we can look at it that way. Shree uh, says, would that be a last message a mother would send? You have one last message. Why not text your spouse? Why not 911? Daughter has domestic violence and drug charges. This is what Shree is telling me about. I'm a mother. I would not use my last uh, ever, use my last to text for money. Deborah Burns' stomach may refer to the womb. Daughter, maybe, getting um, very interpretive, Deborah. But that's interesting. Uh, Brian's, what's the motive? Daughter already received money she sent. 
Well, maybe it just may be that the daughter had the phone and the daughter sent the money to herself. Uh, Hey, daughter needed an excuse to get into the house. They didn't have a good relationship. Daughter would know where Key was already. You would think, Brian, once again, you would think. um, All depends who you you think texted that message. Sheree, daughter just moved back from Maryland two days prior. Um, uh, Let's see. Puma saying didn't have a good relationship. She was a drug addict. The daughter, Ferry, and supposedly she said no to giving her more money. So these are things that are out there. Once again, I I haven't read these things anywhere, and I I would urge anybody, uh, you know, if you're getting this off a web sluice or Reddit or something like that, just be very careful about what you think are facts and, you know, what aren't facts. People can say anything there. That's why I don't – that's why when I do read these news articles, they're actually news articles and everything. They're not – I'm not reading something off web sluice where anybody can post anything. Uh, she got kicked out through the daughter and boyfriend will be arrested for murder within the next seven days by the time next week. You heard it here first, everyone. Fairy, because someone was with Debbie, kids get very upset when parents suddenly start saying no to them. Yeah. So, uh, you know, very sad. But I think that, uh, you know, being that she was murdered, I think the murder or murderers made a huge mistake in not just really, really, really getting rid of Debbie's body, Deborah's body, so it couldn't be found. I think that that's eventually uh, the conclusion we're, you know, we must come to on this. I think that if she were missing, and you know, everybody just goes, we don't know what happened to her. Uh, it very well could be that she could be missing for a while. So, um. What else? Um, I don't really have time. To, maybe I do have time through to read this, and then I'll go to this Friday's episode. Um, did you see There's there seems to be some kind of serial killer in Stockton, California? Rewards totaling $85,000 have been offered for information leading to an arrest in five fatal shootings since July in Stockton, California. That's kind kind of like Northern California, um, east of uh, San Francisco, that investigators believe are related. Uh, after reviewing surveillance footage, detectives have located an identified, unidentified person of interest in the killings. Um, police released a grainy still image of a person filmed from behind, dressed all in black and wearing a black cap. The latest killing occurred shortly before 2 a.m. on Tuesday, so last Tuesday, when a 54-year-old man was shot in a residential area just north of downtown. Police said he was the fifth man fatally shot. Uh, lost my place. Fatally shot since July 8th when, within a radius of a few square miles. Detectives believe all five homicides are related based on our investigation and the reports we are receiving. Police said the victims were each walking alone when they are killed in the evening or early morning in the city of 320,000 residents, about 50 miles south of the state capital of Sacramento. The ages of the victims range from 21 to 54. Four of the men were Hispanic. The other one was white. We are committed to protecting our community and solving these cases, utilizing all the resources at our disposal, including you. We need your help. If anyone has information regarding these investigations, investigations call us immediately. The city of Stockton has put up a $75,000 reward. 
and Stockton Crime Stoppers offered an additional ten thousand. Uh, I didn't hear about this. Uh, this is all news to me. I did not know that you know, three or four or five men had been shot in, St- in Stockton over that period of time until like yesterday. It just happened upon this. You know, I, I will tell you that, once again, I'm not, even though I know a lot about serial killers, I do not study it like I study, I do not study the topic like I study disappearances. This seems to me to be something like uh, like the, the DC shooter from, you know, what, 20 years ago? I remember I was at Star Trek when that was going on. Um, just very random, even though these guys did all happen to be men, that's true. But this seems to, you know, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's a coincidence maybe that four of them were Hispanic and, and one was white. I don't think that there's any reason to believe that the, the killer knew all of these guys. It seems these guys were just minding their own business. Maybe, maybe one or two of them might've been homeless or something. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem that this was. Uh, personally motivated so this could fly in the face of the idea that um you know talk you know stranger on stranger crime is rare but there's a big difference when we get to serial killers is that serial killers almost for the most part do kill people they don't know except of course we covered a disappearance a couple disappearances this past summer where you know the con man part one and two where that guy certainly did know the women that he killed and he, including his own wife. So there are exceptions, but when it comes to serial killers, the reason they get away with so many murders is because they are killing randomly. They might have a demographic or something, but police or investigators are not able to look at the victims and be able to piece them all together as if they all knew the same person or anything. The way you get away with murders is to continue to kill people you don't know and you can't be connected to these people. So it seems to me that it's something like that. Um, is, is this person a serial killer being that he has killed multiple people? Yes. But it's like I said, it, it, it seems to me to be in the vein of the DC sniper. I guess that's what it was called. The DC sniper. Of course, there were two there, two guys with that, uh, an adult and a boy under 18. So, and of course, the guy end uh, of ended up getting executed, and the, the kid is probably going to be in jail for the rest of his life. So I wa- wasn't sure if you were aware there's the, that that's going on in, of all places, Stockton, California. So there you go. All right, let's move on to – let me make sure. Let me go through these things for a little let me just let, take a look over here for a second. Got that. Talked about that. Talked about that. Oh, I think I forgot to put something in here. Um, that it seems that um, there's a trial that's going to be happening in Arizona that is connected to the disappearance of Brian uh, Brandy Myers, uh, the guy who is believed to have killed her, who surely killed other gr- little girls. I think he's going on trial soon i didn't write it all down it was just something that i caught in passing uh brandy's sister was the guest uh when we covered brandy's disappearance and she posted something in fact a couple times that i think that trial is going to be happening it just 
kind of slipped my mind. I did not put it in my notes. So maybe we should be looking out for that. And hopefully uh, for the next live show, I can have something that's a little more in depth than just doing that off the top of my head. Now, as far as next week's live show, little up in the air right now, given I don't know when we're going to be coming back from South Carolina. Of course, let you know later this week. As far as the think tank goes, um, all you people who are in the think tank, I will let you know once again later this week as to whether we're going to be able to do the think tank on Sunday. If not, we might have to move it till next Tuesday. So let me now talk about this Friday's disappearance. Um, I've been wanting to cover these disappearances for quite a while. And finally, the opportunity presented itself. Uh, this Friday, we'll be covering the disappearances of Natasha Alex Carter and her mother, Susan Carter. This is a disappearance that happened in Beckley, West Virginia. If that name is vaguely familiar, I think that it's very close to where Brian Cook went missing in West Virginia. That's a disappearance from a couple years ago. His ex-wife was the guest. It's very close to that area. And this happened in February of 2000. We do not have an exact date, which should tell you something. Uh, uh, Natasha's father and Susan's ex-boyfriend is the guest, and his name is Rick Lafferty. Now, you may say, well, that's, wait a minute. A mother and her daughter went missing, and you're interviewing the ex-boyfriend? What are you doing, Ed? Um, there is no reason to believe that Rick had anything to do with any of this. Uh, and in fact, uh, it is very clear. And the reason that finally I got around to covering this disappearance, I've actually known Rick for about four years at least. I've been talking to him. And suddenly, just recently, uh, the FBI and the West Virginia State Police are looking into these disappearances that are still unsolved. And obviously, they are working with Rick. And so they do not believe, of course, that he has uh, had anything to do with their disappearances at all. And I think once you hear about what was going on and everything, I think all of you will then realize Rick did not have anything to do with any of this. But um, Natasha, uh, you should know that Rick, it's his daughter. He calls her Alex. So we kind of alternate between those two names in the interview. But Susan had actually gotten married to another guy who was 25 years older than she was. And Rick was still fighting for custody of Natasha. And one day when he called over to the house where Susan was living with her new guy, the guy said that, yes, yeah, Susan and Tasha took off with some guy and they weren't back yet. Rick called a couple days later and the guy said the same, had the same story. The husband had the same story. But he changed the name of the person that Susan and Natasha were allegedly with. And so uh, that is the disappearance. Rick did a great interview, and that will be coming out this Friday. You can look it up. Oh, by the way, the name of this episode, the title is A First is the title. And it will make sense once you hear my introduction and everything. So... Once again, Natasha Carter and Susan Carter, This is these are disappearances that are on um, Charlie Project. From Beckley, West Virginia, February of 2000, uh, father and ex-boyfriend Rick Lafferty is the guest. A first is the title of the episode. So that's all I got. Um, and yes, it will be coming out Friday, even though I will be in South Carolina, I will be able to make that to happen 
on time, no problem. And so um, females, uh, no females, Deborah, just males in Stockton. And I saw a grand jury meeting for Kimberly Raymer as well. Oh, really? I didn't see that, Sharif. Thank you. So that's all I got for tonight. We went over by a couple minutes tonight, but that's okay because this show was fantastic. Give it a thumbs up. Share it. Like it. Subscribe to the channel. Maybe think about joining as a member uh, on the YouTube channel or go over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And that's all I have for you tonight. I hope you enjoyed all of the information. I enjoyed talking to all of you. And uh, keep your heads on a swivel. And I will let you know whether we're going to do this live show next Monday night or we might have to push it to a different day. I just don't know right now. But we've got a lot of time to figure that out. Good night, everyone. Keep your heads on swivels. Like I said, uh, Charles, thanks for joining in. Nephew Charles and everybody else. Thank you so much. Uh, I enjoy doing this every Monday night. Thanks. Thanks.